Hello there and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio and this is episode... Uh, it's no episode. Uh, episode, we've blown uh, past it. Uh, we broke the needle off. A. <laughs> episode A, there you go. Yeah, well, kind of, what happens <laughs> when we get to Z? A, A. A. We start doing equations. <laughs> yeah. Roman numerals. Uh, we did it, we survived. We survived. But kinda. Ish. Maybe. It's, you know. This is the afterlife. Pivotal film afterlife. Ooh, I like That's it. That's what you call Pivotal <laughs> film afterlife episode one. Oh, Jesus. Kill myself. Isn't that the name of the new Ghostbusters movie? It is. It was also the name of the, like, fifth Resident Evil film. Maybe we can get a... Oh, well, there which you they, go. Which they remade. It's coming out soon. They remade Resident Evil already. They remade the Resident Evil movie? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's Resident Evil 1 and 2 in one film the, of the video games. Oh, 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 so they're remaking in a, in a movie Resident Evil 1 and 2? The video games, yes. Oh, okay. Which seems like a lot to do in one go. And also, like, Resident Evil 2 and 3 feels like it's more of a conducive story to go together. Well, they're pretty much the same game. I mean, Resident Evil 1's like a haunted house game. Yeah, it's like it's set in that mansion. You got, yeah. a, you got a lizard alligator thing you got i think a giant spider was that a part of it there's also like dogs everywhere well the dogs are all throughout all of them but i just remember i love the alligators pretty pretty well tied in just the one yeah yeah yeah. spider there's some other thing i don't know resident evil one i didn't like resident evil one i like two a lot i don't like any of them i think all those games are boring as shit except for resident evil 4 yeah i've heard that's good and then i got bored with it i get bored with video games pretty easily yeah it's too bad that PlayStation's not putting out more. Xbox is not putting out more. Is it Xbox or PlayStation that doesn't have any games? And that's like Xbox, a major criticism that Xbox like, has what games. are we supposed they're to just, play? They're, they're, they have games. That's, that's nonsense. It's, it's just, just IGN they don't have freakouts. Like, they just don't have exclusive games. Mm. Do you know who's getting sick of something though, Tom? Who's that, Mario? Ron Tomatoes. They're sick yeah. and tired of Citizen Kane being the top movie. I guess. And so finally they approved an 80-year-old... Uh, review of some sort that was a negative review of Citizen Kane and dumped it down. Do we know how negative it was? I don't was know. it like this is shit? No, I don't. I, I don't think so. I think it was. I think it was more middling. Um, I didn't read the review. No, no, no. Yeah, that did it. But uh, yeah, it's now it's now dumped down. And uh, what what should happen to take its place, Tom? What should happen to take its place? Um. Uh, let me see. Well, Tom, I don't know. Taking, Bad news bears taking too. Bad news bears. There was a second one. I forgot all about that. Close. No, it's not that. But it would be Paddington too. Oh, the, the also another family-friendly kids movie. Yeah, extraordinary Paddington too. Uh, when the director of Paddington too, Paul King. Said, uh, said, you know, he kind of he played a little joke with the Hollywood Reporter saying mm-hmm. he's not going to start building his own Xanadu and says, Citizen Kane, if they had the CGI, maybe Orson Welles could have made his movie. Imagine Orson Welles with CGI. <sighs> Probably would have made himself slimmer in his little film. That would have been awesome. But a better film is now the top film. Well, the, That's right. I said it. I agree. I agree that I enjoy. I prefer Paddington 2, Citizen Kane. The Rotten Tomatoes thing I think is really funny. Um, uh, what, do, what do we want to call it? Like a phenomenon, because it's it's backed up by data, in a way that like something like the IMDb top 
film thing never was. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also kind of meaningless in the sense that a lot of those positive reviews that make it 100% are just like um, either the, the review, it was like right in the middle and the reviewer kind of swung it to the positive or um, it's just kind of one of these, it's good. Yeah, it's also, you know, it's not like, there's no, these don't have to be effusive 100%. No one's saying that this is like the greatest movie of all time. Although I'm sure the aggregators went right to it and was like, Paddington 2 named greatest movie of all time by Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, Paddington 2 is pretty, Paddington 2 is pretty good. well received. But it's very well received. That's, a, that's why it's got 100% because everyone's like, from this is excellent to this is good. Yeah. That's, and that's how you get 100%. You just don't have a lot of strong feelings do, in the other direction. I do always find it interesting, the whatever equation, I doubt there is any, or algorithm that Rotten Tomatoes employs to determine whether that like middling, middle-of-the-tier review is, pos- is rotten mm-hmm. or fresh. Because you see C reviews that are, po- that are fresh, and you see those C reviews that are rotten. Mm. And both of them kind of read the same way, um, but it's, it's difficult to really <sighs> suss out well, if you're, uh, what is a positive? If and you're negative. a top reviewer, you can say you have say over what oh for it sure falls into positive or negative reviews. So you can, I mean, I imagine there's like reviewers who always write negative reviews and just but they're well, I wonder, like I wonder if that's right the, the case. I wonder if that's they, the case with everybody because it wouldn't be so hard to just quickly submit. Like if you, I'm sure it is, yeah. are a member. But I wonder, for oh, example, like if you joined and started reviewing and, and stuff, if you, and if you become yeah. a part, if you become good enough to be a part of the aggregate. I assume yeah, you could submit. Yeah, maybe. That's, um, that's probably right. Well, I don't know. I didn't do the research. Too lazy. I'm uh, sure. I mean, but, how is Armand White not writing a Paddington 2 review right now? Saying yeah. how it's like anti-Morrissey and, um, you know. He, he comes out and too accidentally. Too left-leaning. He accidentally comes out and writes another like positive review of it. Yeah. Did he ever say, I, I, he must have never said anything about Paddington 2. I don't know. He's, Armand White, I think, is losing his mind a little bit. Did he ever half a Paddington 2 review? I don't... That must mean that he liked it. I just don't know. I just don't know if he ever if he ever did. He probably he didn't, but it doesn't look like he did. So, maybe he will, he will pop time. in there. It's time. He doesn't want to... He won't let this stand. No, I can see. I can just see him doing it, just so Citizen Kane doesn't like. Right, woke film spot. culture like overextended itself, and he needs to knock it down a peg. Yeah, and you know, marmalade is obviously the food of um, the. What's well, a colonialist? It's a proud boy. Yeah, 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 for sure. Sure. No, but if it was a proud boys food, it would be you'd be pro marmalade because Armand White is pro proud boys because well, he's pro freedom. But Paddington is pro marmalade. Right. Uh. Well. Yeah. I guess so. I would see it more of him pa- Paddington saying, is effusive about marmalade. I would say that he would argue that marmalade is some kind of elitist, like, jam. So while the rest of us are eating jelly, Paddington's eating marmalade. You know what I mean? That type of thing. But in Paddington 2, he brings it to the prisoners. Oh, there we go, socialism. That's our that's yep, negative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. God damn. And he's not in... We give, Trump, I, give, I give it about three weeks before he's got his Paddington 2 review. Trump is a real hero of prison reform, not Paddington. Speaking of, of being uh, part of a problematic thing, did you ever happen to read that Collider article? I did. It was really funny, except for the fact that... Um, the Collider article we're speaking of is, is an article from yesterday, uh, Tuesday, uh, which it kind of shits all over out for Steven Seagal's performance in Out for Justice. Yeah. 
He doesn't give enough credit, the reviewer, to William Forsythe's performance in that film. He's great. William Forsythe's great as Richie. Well, it seems like he he kind of... he. It seems like he's going to at the beginning of the thing. It seems like he almost feels bad for William Forsythe, but then he starts dumping on William Forsythe in the same way that he dumps on everything else, which is fine. Out for Justice is ridiculous. Yeah. My problem with this, and it's the same problem I always have, and I'm going to sound a little Armand Whitey here, but it just, like, it ruins the humor for me when, like, people writing in 2001 try to put, like... 21, then. No, 2001, I think it is. Okay. (laughs) 2021, when they try to put kind of, like... Um, and I'm going to use this word in like a derogatory way, even though like I'm generally pretty for wokeness, like woke terminology in the sense that like um, Steven Seagal is an officer assaulted and unarmed, whatever. And I'm like, all right, guy, it's a movie from 1991, the Steven Seagal movie. I, I would say when he says that, he's more leading credence to the fact that Seagal just is a bully in it. Mm. And, and that's, like, what Seagal does. The, my biggest issue with his review is where he, like, makes, like, fat jokes and, like, and out for justice, Seagal was in good shape. Well, my favorite part of the thing is when he talks about going, when Seagal shows up to his, when his partner's murdered in, like, the beret in the sleeveless sh- I mean, that's, <laughs> sleeveless I remember shirt. watching that movie as a kid going, like, why is, is he this? dressed like this? Well, Cops I remember so- watching, like, fucking, what's the train movie? Um, Under Siege uh, 2. Under Siege 2. Dark territory when he just shows up for stuff and he's like you can't understand anything he's saying he clearly doesn't know how to do karate and but like the whole premise of the movie is based on the fact that he's gonna out karate somebody and he shows up for things you're like that guy doesn't know karate he knows moving out of the way a little bit but he doesn't know karate eric he he doesn't out karate eric boggison (laughs) you gotta out karate eric boggison boggison you gotta um that guy can't do anything that's actually something I thought about, too. It is humorous that the only reason I think we remember these Seagal films is because of their villains. Mm. Like, mm. Um, excluding Mark... Was it Mark... So, Hard to Kill, you have a, you have a pretty decent William Sadler. That's kind of the... That, I think that's just more the script is just mm. so ridiculous in that. Out for Justice, you have William Foresight. Um, Under Siege, you have Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones like Love just it. trying to one-up each other. Love Under it. Siege 2, you have... Uh, Eric Bogosia just hamming it up. On Deadly Ground, you have ah, Billy Bob Ground. Thornton yeah. and John C. McGinley doing some great like henchman work. I mean, William Kane is... I mean, William Kane. Michael Kane is just there to make a paycheck. He is Jaws the Revenging all over that film. But, you know, I remember seeing that movie and, like, Billy Bob Thornton's such, like, a minor villain in it. And, every, like, everybody I've talked to is like, Billy Bob Thornton is great in that. Yeah. Because, um, like, chubby Billy Bob Thornton. Like... I love chubby Billy Bob Thornton. When you look at people like Stallone or Schwarzenegger or even like John Claude Van Damme, they carry like a certain amount of their own charisma. Mm-hmm. Like John Claude Van Damme, I guess, is kind of the one that is, is on that rocky ground. Um, but it still works because he just has this goofy, like just goofiness to him and just kind of has this like lightheartedness to him that like Seagal doesn't. Like John Claude Van Damme, you can tell, is having fun. And he's got a purse. He's got a. Um, and we're going to talk about you know video games and movies a little bit later. He's got a kind of Van Damme has a kind of Street Fighterness to him. Set in yeah, set in stone, um, like image and and personality when he's on camera that he doesn't ever deviate from, and it's in it's kind of an interesting one. And he's doing cool looking shit. Yeah, he's doing a lot of splits. Where like Steven Seagal just shows up and he's just like. 
squinted and seems like he's just got a really bad stomach ache. Yeah. And, you know, he's not, he doesn't do anything really well. It's almost like an, uh, like he's, you know, like 80s Behringer when he would show up and just be like really intense. And then you'd watch it and you're just like, no, you're not getting there. Like whatever it is that you're trying to convey here, like even in uh, The Substitute, which is awesome. This, is, this just, is 90s Behringer. Right. Or what's 80s Behringer? I can't even Even like something like Platoon. Okay. And you're just like, well, you're just so mad at everything. Like that's not like a, that's not a way to be. That's not a way to act. That's not like a movie persona. You're just really pissed off. Do you, do you know what I always call Tom Behringer? And I like Tom Behringer, but I think he's a poor man's William Peterson. Mm. I always thought William Peterson carried like this natural kind of like Guff, that sounds right. Guffness to him, but also like when he was angry, he was angry, but kind of like good-looking boy sort of thing. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I could, I could, I could dig on that. Yeah, like William Pearson, Manhunter. I like, like he carries that anger the well. Well, just imagine, and then just, but he's also like solid. Like William Pearson's a pretty underappreciated actor in the sense of like to live and die in L.A. William Peterson and Manhunter William Peterson are two very different people, although they look exactly the same. Although. I mean, William Peterson had the last laugh on everybody when he was banking like three million dollars an episode for a while just to like. Oh, that's why he's done. Say stuff on on CSI once a week. I was bummed out. <laughs> I was bummed out that he never came back. I always expected them to close out that Hannibal series with Anthony Hawkins uh-huh. by having like William Peterson come back as old Will Graham. Mm. I, just, I was like, it's going to happen. But then William Peterson's like, I am fucking wealthy and I am. He's the one I'm guy who's like, I'm not working anymore. Be in Montana. Yeah, yeah. I appre- I always appreciate those guys. Do you know, who probably wishes he could fly a plane and be in Montana and not be around anybody right now. Steven, Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you said you didn't watch the Oscars. I did Sunday. not. There was there was other important. No, no, important not even not even that. that. So, I mean. I'll be, I guess I'll be the, the, the voice here about that. When the show started, we turned it on at like 7.45 when they were still doing pre-show Like crap. the red carpet. Well, it wasn't even really red carpet. It was just like they were sitting in a courtyard, like a really well-decorated courtyard with Lil Rel Howery and um, the woman. She's going to be – she was in prom. She was the girlfriend in prom whose mom was Carrie Washington, and she's going to be in West Side Story, and she was in – she was like the bullet in Hamilton – for like a really long time. And she did a bunch of other stuff. Doesn't matter. I forget. I just forget her name. They were chatting people up and that was really fucking awkward. But I was like, this looks kind of cool. Like this area here that they've created looks kind of cool. Now is this outside like the metro station? This is outside the station. Yeah. And then. Which I also thought that stage, like the actual stage setup, I thought looked, looked pretty cool. good. That, that and the way that they, it. did you watch the opening thing with Regina King's walk? I did not. So they so they started the whole thing with Regina King coming into some doors, and there's an Oscar on a pedestal, and she grabs the Oscars, and there's like a funk beat going on, and Steven Soderbergh's got credits, like movie credits, and she's just like walking right at the camera, and then the camera kind of spins and follows her, and I'm just like, oh, this looks kind of like a movie. This is pretty good. And then she talked for 20 straight minutes about COVID, um, really quickly about Black Lives Matter, and then... Um, instead of doing any kind of clips or anything about the screenplay nominees, which were the first awards, inexplicably, she told stories about each nominee of the screenplay thing. Like that someone, they told to somebody and she had to read them off a teleprompter. 
Which isn't interesting. What's interesting is the way they've always done it, where somebody's narrating the screen, the screenplay action, yep. and it's on screen. Yeah, it was, and that that for me set like a bad set a bad tone. Um, in terms of the awards, um, up until like the last three awards, I was like, this is how this was supposed to happen. I was surprised that Mank won best cinematography because it really didn't seem like that was going to happen. Um, yeah, it was it was a, a pretty unex- outside the last, outside the second to last winner for me. It was a pretty unsurprising day. I think I ended up in my like Oscar prediction poll going like a seventeen out of the twenty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what you expected to win, like I I predict I I thought Mank was going to win that in production side. I just I just went with the betting odds. Um, but then they kind of made that full hearty choice. To put Best Picture third, mm. um, which which is weird. Like it's weird because you're you're betting in in still a contentious environment. You know you're betting against all odds, mm-hmm. not all odds, but you're betting against heavy odds that Chadwick Boseman's gonna win, right? Like, well, so here I'm gonna I just need to get a pen, but I'll just yell. Um, <laughs> I mean, so listening to some podcasts about this after the fact, one of the things that was apparently made. One of the things that apparently happened um, in the last week was uh, people communicating to other people. What is this? I don't know. This. Oh, I know this. Um, people communicating to other people that uh, the Chadwick Boseman assumed win was going to have a problem. And this is the one thing I think where if they had held the Oscars two months ago when they were supposed to, Chadwick Boseman wins that award. Oh, absolutely. Because people don't then have time to see the father and go, holy shit. Like, and so as a, as a viewer and as a person who has like so, a certain kind of feeling about the Oscars, um, I wanted Chadwick Boseman to win because I think, I think for what I want from the Oscars, that makes the most sense. I believe... And, you know, I suppose you people have other opinions. I think most... The Anthony Hopkins performance is better. I think most people agree I think Anthony so too. Hopkins is, was better. Like, everyone says they would have preferred for the story Chadwick Boseman to win. It wouldn't have been an unfair, mm-hmm. undeserved win. Like, Chadwick Boseman did career-level work. And if he wins, you're not going to turn your head to it. As we said, I'm any fine. of those four top guys... Yeah can win and there's some merit to it. Well, that's, and then there's Gary Oldman. Right. Um, but you know, like who <laughs> looked, Oh man, when they cut to Gary, oh, so you didn't watch it. They cut to Gary. Oldman I, I watched he was in England. Oh, oh man. I, I watched like an announcements of the winners. That and, like, guy looks like he speeches. never stopped making mank. <laughs> yeah. No, that, <laughs> that was rough. true. Um, but I think the award that I have a problem with in that is the one before it. Yeah, absolutely. Which that's, is, that's the one. There's, I mean, I love. I really like Francis McDormand. There's no reason Francis McDormand should have won that award over Mulligan. Pretty much anyone other than Vanessa Kirby. And I actually even think Vanessa Kirby had more of a claim to it than Francis McDormand. Yeah, and, and Francis McDormand wasn't even in the running for this. It's just like they had to justify giving Best Picture to that fucking movie. Which again, which, it's, 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 you gave Best Picture to Spotlight. Which only had two Oscars. It's fine. You know, you don't need to give it another Oscar. And I'm, you know, I, I like Frances McDormand. I fucking hate Frances McDormand in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think she she ruins what could have been 
The Sounds of New Haven. What could have been a, a really, actually excellent film with just Frances. She, she's too much of she's a presence. She's Frances McDormanding all over that movie. Yeah, absolutely. And then she Frances McDormand all over the Oscar stage. Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even watch that part because I was just disgusted by yeah, it. Because like, when, I, I, when I first initially heard the surprise and I saw, I saw like Andre Day and I was like, no, I'm not happy about that, but whatever. And then I saw like Andre Day didn't win and I was like, wait, so who won? And I was like, did like, when I actually kind of went like, oh, did like, you know, Vanessa Kirby? Then I saw Fra- Francis McDormand wasn't even in my head as yeah. a possibility. I didn't think she was either. Honestly, I thought it was either going to be Carrie Mulligan or Viola Davis. And I think this is why Steven Soderbergh should yeah, go just, hide somewhere way. in a fucking cave, like you said, because I think he assumed he was going to get a one, two, three punch of uh, emotions and diversity, and. So they do Nomadland first, which he also must have seen as a foregone conclusion. You do what I think he assumed was either going to be a Carey Mulligan first-time victory where you get a nice emotional speech, or you get Viola Davis doing a kind of pre-like um, Chadwick Boseman speech Davis, leading into the Chadwick Boseman win. Or Viola Davis, who always delivers a great Sure, speech. sure, sure. But I think he thought he had this kind of emotional package just like waiting there for him. And it just blew up in his face. And then they gave it to the two oldest people, like, that could have been nominated. The two oldest, whitest people that could have been nominated. And what it blew my mind was apparently Olivia Colman was supposed to deliver the speech if Anthony Hopkins won. And I don't see why you don't let Olivia Colman well, do that speech, because she can save that finish. She could save that finish. So apparently they said no, and they said no to him doing it via Zoom, because Steven Soderbergh is apparently, like, a, a production Nazi. And he like was like, no Zoom, no video but, chats that I haven't set up, like none of this stuff. He either imagine, accepts it or he doesn't. Imagine you finish with Anthony Hopkins winning by Zoom and delivering that speech he, he delivered the next day. Or a, bet, you, or you, a better impromptu speech where like, he's like emotionally like you know yeah, but, overwhelmed by but the experience. You he ultimately you know he's gonna ultimately use it to pay tribute to Chadwick yeah. Boseman. And you know he's going to Anthony Hopkins all over it, so he's going to do it extremely well. But the problem with the way they did it was that it made it seem like he didn't deserve it. They set it up so Chadwick Boseman could win, and then when he didn't win, everyone was like, well, it's a big problem that Chadwick Boseman didn't win. Cut the quest, quest love. Cut the quest love, who I assumed, like, I turned it off, but if I was him, I would have been like, that was shitty. Like, because I don't need this work. So I can no. say whatever I want here. Questlove and, didn't seem happy about it. Or Daniel Kaluuya just, like, tossing his Oscar through, like, a monitor or something. Um, you know, I just thought it was I just thought it was so weird. And I think the Oscars are really kind of they're really marginalizing themselves into nothingness. And I think our podcast has served to help that process happen faster, but like they're the doing a good job. Yeah. The I will say this though. Um overall the winners I was happy with. I was happy to see I need to see the other animated shorts. Like the winners, I don't have any other qualms with besides Francis McDormand. I was happy to see if anything happens. I love you. Mm-hmm. I was pretty effusive about mm-hmm. that earlier on yep. the year. The thing that made me really upset, though, was the immorium. was fucking garbage. What the hell was that about? Because we're just like, half a second, half a second, half a second, half a second. Because we're going to get through all these names, and we have three minutes to do it. Fucking make it a five-minute immemorial. So my whole... My, have any immemorial right. cone score over it. My theory was this. My theory was they somebody, some hipster ass, developed a, a program. And they could just dump in pictures, and the program was timed to the beat. To the beat, but then something happened where they misput in who they were going to put in. So then it was like 
half a second, half a second, half a second, half a second, longer, longer, longer. And the first kind of long group, you were like, oh, that makes sense. And then it was like half a second, half a second, half a second. And then it was like almost skipping over some people and then like lingering on a grip that died or whatever. Fine. But like it was just just give everyone like an equal amount of time and stop shuffling them around based on like the song you were going to play. Do it the way you used to do it. Like uh, two seconds on each person. Then when there's a notable name, you know, you play a short clip of them to transition to a new piece and then keep going. You know, we don't say you don't lock yourself into three minutes when you have what I can only assume in terms of names had to be like. I mean, just cause, just cause, the, because of how, because it's been, you know, what? It's been 14 months since yeah. the last one. So there's more dead well, there celebrities. there was also a lot of, um, there was a lot of, of very famous people who passed away this year. Or in yeah. the last, you know, whatever, And the fact that months. Olivia de Havilland didn't get, like, the fact that you don't show a clip of her. Yeah. It's like crazy. Come on. She's, she kills, helps to start killing the studio system. Just show, I mean, if the In Memoriam is 10 minutes long, nobody cares. People love the immemorial. Yeah, you gotta do that That's shit right. Often, like people's favorite. I mean, it sounds dark, but people like the remembrance of I think it's people. important. Yeah, yeah, but it's. I mean, it was. It was a very. It I mean, was a very my, weird. It's night. my favorite part, honestly. Yeah, like, just because it's nice to because it seems tribute. like real emotions. Yeah, and it seems it seems very genuine. Um, and even when they when like they'll end on somebody, and you'll kind of be like, "Oh, that's weird that they've." And then they'll put like a song afterwards that almost seems like it's in tribute to that person. It'll be like it's weird that they decided that this person is more important than the other pre- like people. But like from like a, a industry perspective, like maybe that's maybe that's fine. Maybe this person is in a lot of ways more important than the key grip that worked on like some studio, a couple of studio movies. At least back to in the, the public, at least to the public eye. Yeah. Sure. Um, but they and, didn't but even it, do that. What's crazy is because this year you'd fucking have an easy knockout of the park with who you finish on, which who's Chadwick Boseman, who they finished on. Let me because, see something. Because he died young, you know, and but he's dying like, on the upward trajectory of his career. So like that is nobody's going to deny the fact that he deserves that last moment and that last. But here's the thing: the part. I mean, there was no clips except for best picture, and and they chose the weirdest fucking clips. So, but Ma Rainey's Black Bottom wasn't nominated for best picture. So. They at no point in that show did you see Chadwick Boseman do anything. Yeah, I don't nothing. Understand. Just cut off, cut out that beginning speech. Tell Tyler Perry not to talk about the forgiving the police and well, that, killing I mean, the audience. That Tyler Perry speech, like for a, a long time, and I get, I mean, I understood what he was coming from, but he kind of murdered that speech as compared to like a lot of other speeches. Like he came up and delivered something that felt like extemporaneous, but also measured and controlled in a lot of ways. Fair, but it, it, yeah, but you know, still I've, I've a long time said that the honorary Oscar, get rid of it. Oh, for sure. Cut it out because like people are there to watch either the costumes and the celebrities or to watch the awards. Well, they have the governor's ball for a reason. And I'd rather have the clips. Yeah. They have a governor's ball for a reason. Just give it, give it to to that. Put that shit on YouTube. Yeah, well, that's what you would do. You'd give it to him at the Governor's Ball. You'd have some very famous people, and the Governor's Ball inevitably goes on YouTube. I mean, that's what, yeah. just what happens. Who cares? And then you could say, like, last week at the Governor's Ball, this happened. And, you know, you showed, you know, the best moment of the Tyler Perry thing. Repeatedly show whatever. the YouTube link on the Oscars presentation. But then they should, I mean, even that, like, I get why they gave, the, like, the Humanitarian Award to the Brian, to that organization. But, like, Brian Cranston got a lot of screen time. I mean, which is cool for Brian 
Brian Cranston, but like, you know, I don't know. What are we? What are, what are we there for? Do that somewhere else. Make that a whole. Make that like a little special or something like that. You know what I mean? Get that out of there. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully they fix it for next year. I mean, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a shorter Oscar year, and they're forced to have ten Best Picture nominees. Well, you know what though? They're gonna have they're gonna have plenty of movies to choose from because it's gonna be all. And listen, listen, man, I would not be surprised at all. I have I have no inside information on what the Eternals even is supposed to fucking be. Chloe Zhao is now in. I mean, she's super fucking in. This would be the year to be like, oh yeah, best director, Chloe Zhao for the Eternals. Not to give it to her, but just to nominate her for it. And then be like, see, Marvel movies. Ryan Coogler can't get one, but like, she can get one. It's fine. But, would you be surprised? Dennis, De- Dennis Villeneuve gets one for Dune? Or, no. or whatever? Dune, or, or does Dune just get production design and visual effects and then goes home No, this, happy this, like this, this will be the year that an event film is it's big unless That's they're big all awards. fucking terrible or this is Wes Anderson's year or this is the Wes Anderson year or it's Darren Lynn Bozeman's year for Spiral no it's not gonna be <laughs> David Gordon Green's year for Halloween Kills I don't think so I would love to see the, David Gordon Green uh, at an Oscar although to be film. honest if, if Candyman ends up being oh I love good, Candyman I wouldn't be surprised to go Nia Deco- if Nia DaCosta Best director nomination. I that, wouldn't be that shocked. would be interesting. I mean, but they're gonna you're gonna have the space this year to do a Candyman number ten. If Candyman's yeah. fucking awesome, you just us it. You know what I mean? Where us missed, I think, just kind of by a hair's breadth of being recognized for existing. Yeah, you don't go like oh, you don't go get out levels of nominations, but no, no, because Get Out should have won. But like, no one would be saying Candyman should win unless unless it should. I don't know. Obviously, we haven't seen it yet. But, like, it would be cool if it's just, like, sitting there at the bottom of the thing. Although my gut says this is going to be PTA's year. I don't think so. I think it's the Wes Anderson year. I think, I think... I thought that last year. If Wes Anderson had released that movie this year, it wins literally everything. I think so. Um, but it's... I mean, unless the Darjeeling limited it. But the reason I say that is I think they're going to want to have... They're going to... If that move... If... Um, I forgot what Soggy Bottom. Soggy Bottom ends up being good. They're going to want to give Cooper his actor award. Maybe. Which, in for a Wes Anderson movie, or not Wes Anderson, for a PTA movie, I'm all for it. Do it. If that's, if that's what he, how he has to finally win. Fine. And I've been watching a lot of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think he's a good Rocket Raccoon. Well. So I'm not like, like against him. It's like him. him and Vin Diesel are good when you don't see their face. I'm less against him as a person now. Is it a John Cena supporting actor year for Past Nine? No, it's not. Is it a Simon McQuaid year? Simon McQuaid. Who's that? Ah, well, he's the director. Of what? Of Mortal Kombat. I don't know. I don't know. We will, uh, we'll be right back, I guess, to talk about Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Hearing that sound over the past three years makes me think I'm about ready to introduce. I'm gonna change. I'm gonna gonna change it. I don't think you should. (laughs) Tom. So when I was a boy, it was a Saturday. You know, I'd been spending the day before drinking pretty heavily. Um, It was a friend's a friend's birthday, Uh, and and some people were going to take some naps. 
right? Mm-hmm. Nice and naps. It was a quiet time. People had sunburns. They just needed a little time to recoup. And, you know, I just, I was, I was up and ready. Some people were going outside to start setting up yard games, but they weren't just ready yet. Um, but so things had, had kind of a lull. And so I sat down and watched the first 30 minutes of this, of this film, mm. this, this experience. It is an experience, yeah, for uh, sure. And then I realized I could do something else. <laughs> and so I stopped watching it and went outside and continued drinking and playing yard games. But then the very next day when I came back. When you had nothing else to do? And I was hungover. <laughs> And I had um, had a burrito. Mm. I was like, I guess I might as well finish it. The burrito? Oh, maybe I'd finish the burrito. I had some Coke. I sat down. Cocaine? I I started it over from the top. I was like, you know what? I need to re-experience it. And I did. For almost two hours, I watched this. And afterwards, I was like, that's a movie I saw. And that movie is Mortal Kombat. First learned about this seven years ago on a mission in Brazil to capture a wanted fugitive. When we got there, it tore through our unit in seconds. The target had superhuman abilities. It had the same marking you do, Cole. It's a birthmark. What do you mean? He was born with it. It's not a birthmark, Cole. It means you've been chosen. Throughout history, different cultures all over the world reference a great tournament of champions. That dragon marking? I think it's an invitation to fight for something known. Mortal Kombat. These are your champions. I'm Sonya. That's Kano. I'm Liu Kang. Name's Jax. Kong La. Lord Raiden. The fate of Earth is in our hands. No matter how many of my people you put in the ground. We will not fail. Kill them. I am Sub-Zero. You certainly are, Joe Taslam. You certainly are. He plays Bihan, who would later become Sub-Zero, and he... He goes in the 17th century Japan and slaughters the family of Hanzo Hashishita, the Scorpion's family. Yeah. Um, because they're two rival ninja gangs, you know, Sub-Zero and Scorpion. They don't like each other at all. They do not. But Scorpion's daughter was saved. Mm-hmm. was hidden. And Raiden comes, not Christopher Lambert, an actual Asian actor this time, comes nice. and, and gets her and saves her. Flash modern day, and I'm not gonna remember some of these actors. Uh, Cole Young, Louis Tan, had got the script earlier that day and is just doing his first line reading. And he's an MMA fighter who uh, 
apparently doesn't like pain all that much. Like he's he doesn't like being hurt. So I don't really know how he ends up in his fighting career. He also has a he also has a dragon. But he also gets tattoo. paid two hundred dollars a fight. Like is the fighting like theater? Like or is it what's it for? I mean, he's just he's just he's a tomato can sort of fighter. He taps out, blah blah blah. I mean, I just want to. I mean, I want to stop. I'm sorry, real quick, and talk about the fact that like that guy that he was fighting literally punched him in the mouth, like directly in the mouth, like six or seven times. Blood was flying everywhere. But right after the fight, he's like, "Yo, let's go get some food." It's like, how could you eat? How is the inside of your mouth not destroyed? And he also seemed like he was in an extraordinary amount of pain during that fight. Yeah. It's like he forgot. I mean, he's, he's like he's like a bad pro wrestler who, like, gets the leg worked over all match and then, like, suddenly hits his finisher and wins. Well, I just assumed with 2006 where the... 2006 John Cena. <laughs> I assumed that where the movie was going, I was like, this guy's got to kill this guy, right? And it's like, no, he gets punched in the face a bunch and then he does an arm bar and then he taps out. And it's really a dramatic tap out. Yeah, and it's for some like, purpose. Oh, okay. But he's approached sure. by Jax. As we all are. It's Jax, and Jax is like, I need to talk to you, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, I don't know how to talk to you. So he goes out to dinner to get some food, but then things get really cold, and it's like, this is July. It doesn't get cold in July, and all shit, it's Sub Zero. And Sub Zero's trying to kill him because he's got the mark of a champion for mm-hmm. Earth Realm, because if. Outworld defeats Mortal Comp defeats Earth Realm for the tenth straight time. They get to invade, at, you know, which I think is like from like Mortal Kombat Army, like one of the like PlayStation Two versions. I appreciate its dedication to like the video game lore. I actually really do. Um, blah blah blah. Jack saves him. Jack fights Sub Zero. Jack loses his arms. Origin story of how Jack gets Jax. his arms. Good job for good job, Jax. Uh, he tells, but before he does, he tells them to go see Sonya Blade. And he sees, so, Lewis, Cole Young goes to see Sonya Blade, who's got Kano, you know, an Australian mercenary locked up. Uh, but she's sad because she doesn't have that champion tattoo, but, you know, oh well. And then a reptile comes because he's a member of Outworld and he's going to try to kill Cole Young. And then he doesn't, and Kano kills reptile by taking out his heart. And just and screaming. Kano wins. And uh, then Kano gets the mark. But then Kano knows where Raiden's temple is. And so they go. They go to Raiden's temple. Mm-hmm. After a weird sequence of flying. That was, a, that was a thing that added minutes to this movie that didn't need to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so did the walking in one direction to Kano's temple only to have Liu Kang come and... Liu Kang? Yeah. Come so, and tell them it's a, in you, the other direction. Do you even Mortal Kombat, bro? Come on. I haven't played Mortal Kombat or paid any attention to Mortal Kombat since number two. I fucking hate Mortal Kombat, the fighting game. I love, like, the lore of it. It's, it's kind of but like all this really stuff. there's not really any lore. There's a lot of lore. <laughs> but not real lore. I mean, No, like, it's all, like, video game lore. But, but it's, it's all fun. just... But I think the problem with the the the, uh, the lore in this movie, or the or from what I understand, the video game lore, is that the video game lore is is pretty fluid and moves and changes depending on like how men, how much people hate the last game which apparently in Mortal Kombat games is every single game is hated more than the last game before it and no one is really sure why there's people people it. people have liked it since the it got remade from like the uh the the Xbox 360 versions up like 10 and 11 were pretty well lauded anyways they go to Rain's temple there they meet uh you know, they had they meet Liu Kang, have they seen? They meet Raiden, they meet Kung Lao, 
Kung Lao jumps up in CGI and does a spin kick. And they got to learn to find their Arcana. You know, Cole Young and uh, and Kano, because they got the marks, and they got to learn it. But then Shang Tsung comes and is like, I'm a monster. I'm a, I want to suck your souls. And then Raiden's like, no, we got a shield. Cool. And then they're like, oh, we're just going to do most of this half hour in this ring here. Yeah, and then they fight in the ring for uh, most of the movie. And then eventually Kano becomes a bad guy again, and the, the ring breaks down, and then there's some fighting. There's, there's fighting. And then, there's well, Cole, Cole Young first realizes he can't get his Arcana, because Kano gets his, and he goes back to his family. And so it's all there, and then Outworld attacks. For some reason at that time is when Goro also attacks Cole, even though Cole could have been killed way earlier. Yeah. But he does all at the same time. They fight. Most of the Outworld people, some of the Outworld people get beat. Uh, you, get, you get a great, you do get a great fatality there uh, when... Um, oh, the wing. When Natari yeah. gets, gets, a, gets sliced in half. That was pretty good. That was, that was good. Especially since Kung Lao follows it up with a... Kung Lao, I, I love that line delivery of just flawless victory. Just because it's so dumb. It's very dumb. Uh, but anyways, Goro also gets killed. Cole Young finds his Arcana. Then they go off to the Nether, um, and then they decide this movie needs to end. And so they then proceed to kill all the bad guys, skipping a like skipping any sort of driving climbing action. They're just like, let's kill everybody well, else. Did Raiden kill Shang Tsung, or did he just send him back? To- no, Shang Tsung doesn't kill. He gets, he just goes back to right. that world. Yeah, but. Literally all the bad guys minus Sub Zero get just un- fucking annihilated. Yeah, there's there's no reason that these guys had any chance of being heroes. You know, obviously Kano's going to come back because he needs to get his bionic eye and all that. And this movie's for sure getting a sequel. Um, they do that. Uh, then you Sub Zero kidnaps Cole Young's wife and daughter. He freezes them. Doesn't kill them like he did. Scorpion's wife and daughter, because you don't want to do that. And Scorpion comes back from hell, and they fight from the nether realm, technically. He says hell would be the nether realm in this world. And they love, fight. Yeah. Sub-Zero gets burned, because he's got to become Noob Sabot, because Baihan isn't actually Scorpion in the second game on. Like I said, good, good dedication to the games. Uh, then uh, Shang Tsung's like, oh, you, you, I'll come back with armies, because apparently my guys fucking suck ass. Well, are but, his armies those people that were just really randomly... Running like walking through a desert up to a statue of four arms, like wh- wh- who were his armies? I don't understand. I don't know Shao Kahn's going to come at some point and be like, oh, "Shao Kahn, I got a hammer." Anyways, Raiden's like, "You need to find Earth heroes," and the character that everyone likes, you need to find him. You need to find Johnny Cage because he can't be in this movie, and that's how the movie ends. We're going to Hollywood, Johnny Cage. Uh, Tom, I'm going to defer to you first. Um, this movie is fucking terrible, but it is it shows a little bit of um, inventiveness, and it looks okay. It doesn't look like great, not blow my mind, but it's definitely um, you know the fighting is is um, like some of it is okay. There's some bad fights, like the Sonya um, fight against Melina. The one that opens her mouth? Yeah, yeah. The one, um, so before... Melina can also come back. Before she gets stabbed, 
Before she stabs Sonya, there's the first, a... Wait, the first Melina fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, not, the, there's a point... not the one where Melina just gets her fucking ass kicked. No, no, no. There's a point where um, they're fighting on some kind of boards over like some like a pit or something. Mm. Even though I don't think it's much of a pit. It's just like a, a hole in the ground or whatever. And Sonya's just kind of like waving her hands in front of her. And like to for no reason. Like it's not like she's doing a fighting move. I think she's just kind of... I wouldn't be surprised if one of them was CGI'd into the frame at that point, and like, like this, and you know, I'm just waving my hand in front of me, like in a kind of panic state. That happens actually a couple of times in this movie where it seems like somebody is about to do something and then just kind of doesn't do it, or they do like a kick move that you want to be like a better kick move, and then it's just like kick. And you're just like, why is that in... Just take that out of the movie. Like, there's there's no reason to have that in there. But I think some of the fatalities are good. The opening scene, except for the fact that it's dumb, looks really good. And I don't know what's going on or why I should care or anything. You know, the first Sub-Zero um, Scorpion fight there. All that stuff is like looks pretty good. And, and Taslam and Sonata are just better actors than everybody else in this I film. guess so, but I mean, they're not really asked to do anything. No, they're not and, asked to do anything, but they're passable. Right. Like, But I'm going to be honest with you, there's no amount of acting in the world that will make you good at doing something like you know, Shao Tsung, you talk to Shao Tsung on a throne of rocks that's hanging over like, um, of, uh, like a crevasse, and he says your name, and you says, I'm no longer them, I'm Sub-Zero. And I want Shao Tsung to be like, why? Why are you sub... Like, what does that mean? Listen. Sub-Zero. Listen, Tom. This film's screenplay is rock solid. There is, in the first Sub-Zero, Jack's fight, a line where Jack says, I served six tours, motherfucker. As though to assume that serving tours in Afghanistan or Iraq prepares you for hand-to-hand combat against a ninja. Can I ask you a question? Do you think you can actually serve six tours? Will they let you serve six tours? That war lasted a long time. But six? Like, six is a lot. Why not? I mean, that's that's a nitpicky thing. Maybe he he was like a roadie. Maybe it wasn't actually tours in Afghanistan. Maybe he was like a roadie for, I don't know, ZZ Top. Maybe that's what he actually meant. That would be awesome. (laughs) And and Billy Gibbons. Or no, Rolling Stones. He was actually a a Tell's Angel. No, that's that's less good. Yeah, no, ZZ Top. That was pretty cash. I'm going to be honest. I like this movie a lot because it's it is but it you is, acknowledge it is, that it's no, awful right it's it's terrible it has moments I'm, I'm fine then it has moments of like it has moments of, of fun like in terms like like non unironic fun I think whoever's doing the work uh, that Damien Harriman doing the voice of Cabal like is the What's corny that? what is that guy's problem but he's so it's so corny. Who made like, that decision? When he, though? when he gets introduced and like just says like, "Oh yeah, something really, the wings really turned me on" or something like that, and he just kind of stays being this fucking giant weird nerd. I love that. Well, I loved and, when he was like when he was like uh, when Shang Tsung was like, uh, "Your soul is mine," and then he's just like beating somebody up, and he's like, "I love this part," like in a regular voice. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, "I love this part." They always scream so great or something. I was like, "Why is this happening?" Like, <laughs> but the ones who appreciate, like Josh Lawson as Kano, who appreciate like they're in the corniest fucking movie in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do a lot of good work. Like the the thing that like Joe Taslam and Sonata don't work 
And like they kind of like Sonata works later on near the, near the end is like in that beginning that beginning scene is trying way too hard to be a good movie. Yep. It's trying way too hard to be a movie, but then when they stop trying to be a movie and they're just like we're we're a video game service vehicle. Yeah. We're going to say all the lines you want to hear. Uh it works for me. It worked it works well. It mm-hmm. it has it has solid gore effects, which I which I wanted. Um, the reason and the reason I think it works for me is because I compared this. I told you repeatedly when I went into this, I was terrified it was going to be Hellboy because Hellboy is was mean in its violence. Mm. Hellboy took itself really seriously at times, and it right. had this weird edginess. This movie has none none of that. No. This movie is this movie appreciates its goofiness. I think I don't I think so. I there is no way this movie's taking itself seriously no it's not as goof it's not as tongue-in-cheek self-aware as something like kong versus godzilla which i liked a lot more than this um but it i think you're i think you're right it knows what its limitations are and it knows what a certain group of people want from it it's a fan service very comfortable giving it yeah it is that warm blanket for mortal Kombat fans it is like you guys want to see fatalities from mortal Kombat. Like, the fatalities in this movie, uh, well, specifically the Kung Lao fatality mm-hmm. and the Molina fatality that Sonya Blade does. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's Sonya Blade's fatality that does that, that, that. When she blows those, a hole in her. But those are actual fatalities yeah. from the new video games. But to be honest and, with you, like, I watched a YouTube clip. I remember when Eleven came out, I watched a YouTube clip of all the fatalities um, that was, like, 37 minutes long or something because now everyone has a million. <laughs> there's a million yeah, characters. Yeah, people have two million. or three fatalities and it was like, I, I mean, I think some of the shit that's happening in the video games is more impressive than what's happening, what happened on the screen. Oh, for sure. But I think, I think and there's, there's, there's and more like they made me feel bad. But I think there's, I, not, but I think that's cool. I think it's cool that this movie doesn't try to go that far. Because mm. I think if this think movie, right. if this film went with some of those fatalities, like I can't remember who it is that does like the um, the spinning, like slowly chops up the person, like head first mm. and like some of those fatalities reach that hellboy level of just meanness mm-hmm. and this yes, movie's yeah, like yeah. this movie's like all the fatalities are quick kills so mm-hmm. they look gory as shit but it's not like there's a lot of suffering in them it's like a hole gets blown in a person they're dead or Lena the drops, people that or, have to suffer the most are not real yeah and people. like innocent people in this like besides like the innocent the the only innocent people in this movie that really die are that are on non-combatants but uh, you just see Frozen, and it's the after fact. Yeah. You know, it's not the hell on Earth scene where people are running and getting, like, their skin ripped off. Where it's just like, I don't want to watch this. Like, this is mean. Hellboy this movie's grim, just like, yeah. yeah, this movie's just like, these people are kind of, the people that are dying are either off screen, and it's, you know, it's the, the you know, uh, Hanzo's um, wife and child, son mm-hmm. who are just shown frozen, and you see slight blood. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're people who are the champions. Right. And so, like, when the gore happens, you're like, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. Like, this is fun. Like, people, like, it's, it's this weird kind of agreement that they're in that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of fear that, like, when Sub-Zero first attacked, that he was going to be, like, non-discreetly just, like, killing people. He's not. He's, like, throwing ice on the ground, which well, is kind of hilarious. I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, that stuff is, they have not found a way to do... To justify the powers used in this movie, like there's no way to not make Sub Zero totally fucking goofy. 
Yeah. Um, it's just, he just is. I mean, the blood, the freezing the blood as a knife thing, that was kind of cool. It was kind of cool, but it was also like... They did the best job they could. They could. With I as think. goofy as these characters Right, are. and I think that's where I will say... I that mean, I think that's the, the coolest you can make Sub-Zero or Scorpion. I think you're right. I think to that, to the movie's credit, which I think stinks, um, I think it's doing the best... I think it's doing the best job that it could. I actually don't... I have no idea what a better... Mortal Kombat movie would be like just the, just the tournament, and because that's why I'm, I'm I want I do want a sequel to this, and I just want the sequel to be the tournament, but I just want it to be I'm okay with it just being ninety minutes of fighting in like five because I don't I don't want to see Lewis Tan I like I like him when he's fighting and I like him when he's doing a quick quip I don't want emotional stakes in there in this movie I just want it to be like we don't want Outworld to invade Earthrealm right. Well, right. So we're gonna fight, when Luke and we're Kang, gonna have a couple minutes where somebody goes like, "Oh, I don't know if I could do." I, I think Luke King actually did it. The actor no, for Luke King did a good job when Kung Lao died. But when when he's walking them through like the temple and stuff like that for like fifteen minutes, it's like I, I gotta get out of here. Like you yeah. gotta get me out of here and into fighting people with stakes, like training sessions and all this other stuff, or setting that up or whatever. I got no, I got no time for that stuff. I don't need to see Jax grow his arms back. Just have Jax have arms. Yeah. You know what I mean? mean? Just, like, just do it. I don't care. Like, this is ultimately a setup for their plan. Like, this movie is is a long trailer for the actual Mortal Kombat film. Well, so here's... Which will, I'm glad now, is absolutely going to happen. 100% going to happen. With, like, a $100 million budget this time. Who they have to... And this is... I'm usually not like this. Especially in terms of, like, listening to people talk about the Oscars in relation to this fact... Um, they have to get a famous person to play See, Johnny Cage. This is my fear, though. They have to. My fear is, and I'll say that I'm going to tie this in really quick. The one thing I actually appreciate about this film, and it's a weird year for this, yeah. And I don't know why, uh-huh. but the Benjamin Wallfish score is fun as fuck. Like he's it's okay, doing, but it's fun. It's fun. I like his 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 Redux a techno was a techno syndrome or whatever. I appreciate the fact that they did the Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think, but I think it worked. It, it's as goofy as the movie. But Benjamin Wallfish was the um, composer for what? Two films? It Chapter 1 and 2. And oh, oh, yeah. This is my fear. My fear is that this movie's going to do so well. And Warner Brothers is going to Warner Brothers Mortal Kombat 2 and be like, guys, we're going to make this serious now. we got to, like, up the stakes. I don't and I, think they will. And I want... I want, yeah, I hope not. And I want Johnny Cage to be a somewhat famous actor. I think it's going to be, because I think. Oh, I don't think they're going to get Ryan Gosling to do it. They got to get somebody that I've heard of to be Johnny to be Johnny Cage. And if that means like a wrestler, yeah, that's why. Or I'm like an MMA towards. fighter or something I like lean that. Towards it being like the Miz or something. Absolutely. Yeah. That, well, he's campaigning for it. I oh, think, really? I think he's fucking perfect. I think they. I mean, they should do that right now. And if they, if it's a hundred million dollar budget, then give him ten of it. Like no, I don't no, care. he doesn't need that much. But what, you I give mean, him three million. I think you need that's the that's higher than any movie. I think movie. the problem that yeah, I think the problem that you're gonna the problem that I ran into with this movie is that this movie has no personality. This movie relies one hundred because or its actors have no personality. It relies one hundred percent on the personality of the game and its fatalities to kind of sell whatever they're doing, and it almost does it, but it's boring as shit. When it's not like cutting someone in yeah. half, or like when 
because these fights, like you need charisma. That's right, all you need is you charisma. Had, Joe Taslam is the only person with. And charisma. then you put him, and you put a mask on him, and then he only says like one word lines for like the whole rest yeah. of the movie. But when he doesn't have the mask, like at that beginning, that right, beginning the beginning works because the he's the best great. part of the yeah. movie. I mean, it made me forget about how stupid a thing it was that the guy that inevitably um, became Scorpion ditched his swords in favor of a rope. <laughs> That and became cheers and garden whatever right uh, that became like literally just like as long as this pen weapon to fight to fight some, I will I will say this with. really quickly before I forget and we we get back we'll get back to the original point which is nice about this is we can talk forever as long as we want to and it could be a really good episode um that opening fight the thing I loved he was double killing people mm. there was a part where he snapped somebody's neck and then buried a knife in the person's head and it's like that. And he did this several times. Yeah. He double killed a lot. It's like, those people are dead. And then he just throws a guy on the ground and moves on. It's like, that guy is not, is dead. not dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't even single kill. Like, save some of your kills for that guy. Well, there was... A, it's funny. We've been watching, like, the... Mar- My kids are now like kind of obsessed with the Marvel movies, which I think is, you know, fun. Um... So we were watching Age of Ultron again, and there's these great scenes where, like, Captain America is literally ripping the arms and legs off of, like, one of those Ultron robots. And I'm just like, there's no way that guy's alive, Cap. Like, I'm not sure why you're, like, ripping it limb from limb. Like, it's super dead. But, like, I think... Well, to just... be fair, Captain America has not got laid, so, like, let him have... Right. Let him have a little um, bit of that frustration out. But I think it's one of those things where, like, sometimes I think these movie, these action movies kind of get away from editors... And they're just kind of use scenes like a bunch of times. So they probably didn't mean because that happened. He stabbed a guy, and then like it cut away, and then it showed him like kicking the same guy. <laughs> and I was like, why did he? Care? Or like doing like he stabbed the guy no in the open chest on the ground, and they showed guys running, and then they showed him like kicking that guy in like the face on like on the ground. You're just like, why did you do that? Why did you kick that guy? Like I said, open casket. Or you need to get the this, the thing out. Yeah. Well, and I also love like um, when Kano with his eye cuts the hand off that statue, and um, it falls on like Jax and Sonya. But there's, it's no, there's Sonya. Oh, Jax. Oh, I thought Jax was over there. But yeah, fine. Jax is Jax is the one. That, that's how he gets his arcana. But Sonya's just a regular person. <laughs> she's fine. Which means that if a stone hand falls on her, she's very dead. Well, Which means it had to have fallen like the with palm the hands. Down, yeah. Right. Which is perfect. But if that's the case, she should have been able to crawl out from underneath that palm. If any part of that structure fell on her body, that structure that that part of her body is ruined forever. Well, think about, maybe maybe it fell in just a maybe it fell. Where like it, it hit under her legs. But she couldn't like wiggle out like, yeah. like she couldn't get her calves through. Maybe. So it's like so it's like her it landed on her ankles and she's mm. just stuck underneath that. I mean that's little stuff and it's stuff that in a movie like Mortal Kombat like nobody cares. I, it, yeah, it bugs me because I'm I'm not like a super fan of these movies. I suspend as much as my disbelief as I can to w- get through like a uh, to get through a Marvel yeah, and movie. I'm, and I'm, and I'm the type of person who just doesn't get... I'm just like, you tell me whatever you want to tell me. Because like, this movie doesn't create those. It doesn't create stakes right. of like a reality. And I'm like, I'm here for whatever you're going to do. Well, that's... I, I mean, I'm going to be very honest with you. This is definitely a better movie than the 1995 Mortal Kombat. I kind of like the 1995 Mortal Kombat better. I never watched it because, because it, it had more... Had more like... Like self. 
Like, it had more style. It had, like, a little more personality. I mean, it was super dumb and terrible, and the special effects were awful. But, like, it utilized more than one set for, like, most of the movie. Like, I thought that was a weird choice also, considering how much of this movie is CGI. Like, you could do this stuff anywhere. Just call Disney and ask them how they make all their movies. Like, there's no reason you have to stage all of the end of this movie in one place. Like, just get the Mandalorian, like, 360... And then when TV they screen. and then when they move the fight, they just move it to a fight that, a place where they've already been, but they cover it in ice. And you're just kind of like, Whoa. oh, but yeah, they just reuse. They, like, yeah, they why they use maybe five sets in this movie. It's pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the scene where like um, Cole Young fights Goro, um, very obviously seemed like the other side of the set of Sonya Blades trailer oh absolutely (laughs) like it's like the same thing um which i guess is good i mean i guess it's i I also believe maybe the same set has the finale of the deck shepherd michael pena chips film i never saw that because i hate deck shepherd i watched that i I saw it It do you like deck shepherd give it a listen to his podcast nope i don't like deck shepherd i as much as as much as he is problematic, I do like Michael Pena. Why is he problematic? He's a super Scientologist. Oh, yeah. Those... And Vincent D'Onofrio is the villain in that movie too, so like that's fun. I don't. I tend to like not worry about Scientologists because some of them are all right. They just believe something terrible. Yeah, the Elizabeth Moss effect. Um. Yeah, because I think sometimes in like Beck, like I think sometimes they're good people. They've just got not sucked Jeff in. Beck. Not Jeff. Jeff Beck is not a Scientologist. It took me years to realize that those were two different people. I mean, they would make an amazing record together, but they're not the same person. Um, but I think they, I think they believe something odd. But I think they're they're generally like good people, except for the fact that their kind of silence regarding some of the like institutional um, problems of Scientology. Um, is probably more in line with like how you feel about them. That oh, they're yeah. problematic because they don't speak out against the things that like, it's like the, the Pope, Sea Org does. It's like the Pope like Francis effect. Mm. Yeah, just kind of not saying anything. Yeah, but um, no. So back to back to what we were saying. Uh, you yeah, don't want to talk movie, about religion anymore. This movie needs. Well, we'll talk about the uh, the Church of Miz. This movie needs somebody that's charismatic and as yeah. bad as like Miz isn't a great actor. He's got all. charisma. But he's got charisma, yeah. like in oodles. And so, but somebody like him, you know, maybe, you know, get, get a charismatic actor to be Shao, Shao Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, but doesn't he just wear a f- mask the whole time? He gets, he's got like a... The skull thing? He's got a skull, but like you could see a lot of oh, his face. Okay. But I, I'm pretty sure he's, he's going to be a Thanos thing where he's probably CGI anyhow. Get did Batista. Does he have four arms? I don't think so. Is but, there another? Uh, sorry, go ahead. But I don't think all these guys should be wrestlers. No, but I think it's one of those things where. But it's just like fine charisma, like machines. Right, exactly. They don't have to be good, but they just have to be charismatic. Right. And, um, but I think it's going to, for the next. Because, so, all right. So this movie's got pretty good reviews, I think, compared to what everyone thought it was yeah, going like to get going in, which I think for this type of movie is fine. And, yeah, and they'll totally over, take it. Especially enjoyed with that, with the amount of people that went to see it in theaters, the amount of of buzz or whatever or conversation that it's sparking online, highest viewed HBO Max film by a margin. Exactly, I think they can't they can't stand pat here. They have to 
grow it a little bit because they need they may sm- they smell IP on their hands. They smell like something they can milk for a lot of money. They can't have two die. Yeah, you know I mean, what I mean. Can, they can, just can't. You can franchise this shit. You can universe this shit. Not if two. Not if two. Yeah, is, no. Uh, but it, but if, if you if tanks. you knock if you knock two out of the park and you can make it make two hundred million dollars. Sure, you could have a good R rated. And then you could throw like Street Fighter in there, and then just do a, the dumbest in the world Street Fighter Mortal Kombat through. But then you have a PG thirteen movie you have there. Yep. You know, absolutely. I mean, and, and it, I, it's important. It's so while I don't think the Miz equals two hundred million dollars, I think it gets you closer to two hundred million dollars. And while Dave Bautista doesn't necessarily help that either, and makes you kind of like a wrestling thing, I think he'll do it. I think he's a big famous guy that's got some he's personality. Maybe, he's that maybe the person you have to throw like eight, ten million dollars to. Mm. Um, yeah, and because I think I think there, this movie has enough goodwill to where it's just like, I think oh, so. I wish it was the tournament. Mm. Like, especially fans of the things, but like people want, like, oh, I wish there was more. And just the average viewer was like, I wish there was more fighting. Sure, I wish, oh, there, was I wish there was so much. And more And if fighting. somebody just said, like, do you remember all the good parts of Mortal Kombat, the first movie, and mm-hmm. like all the fighting? Yeah, this sequel. Is just all fighting. Like, it's just fucking... Get, I mean, Simon McQuaid did a good job, but fucking throw a bunch of money at Gareth uh, Evans. Yeah, that'd be like good. the raid guy. Mm-hmm. Just throw him, like, $20 million and be like... Throw him, like, $15 million in the movie and be like, we'll finance, like, three of your next indie projects. Mm-hmm. Well, because they can't do this movie again. They like they can't make another movie where they uh, go to a bunch of different places and recruit a bunch of different people. No, you get Johnny Cage and then you move on with your life. Maybe you get one other person. You get, yeah, you get you show recruiting Johnny Cage. You introduce all your new guys, fights, and then just like also you get like a good fight choreographer. You get you know a solid director of that Gareth mm-hmm. Evans, um, and then it's just like good long single take fights. Yeah. And, let's but, do it. But, and you just get a bunch of different guys from a bunch of different backgrounds because you have so you have different fights for the entire film. And it's a fantasy universe, so you can stage these things however you want. You can make the the settings look and function however you need them to. And you could you could save money cuz some of these fight, some of those single take fights could just be in a fucking room. Oh, yeah. You just set a camera down and you get two like but it's got to be know, an interesting room. Yeah, it's got to be interesting. It's got to have interesting stuff that's going on in it. It's got to, you know, but you could just do that. You could spend a couple hundred thousand dollars and just have a six-minute fight scene happen there. Well, that's one of the things that I, that's one of the kind of the problems that I had with this movie in the sense that um, when everybody is fighting in the temple, and they're, but they're all fighting in different places, they're all also simultaneously attached to the, that sparring area. And you're just like, how did that person get from there to there? Because they were just in a room with, like, three walls and a, and a door. So do all doors lead into this one space? Well, because it has to. Because that, it's that sparring area is the, the practical set. And then right, the, exactly. The CGI, Which is like... The green screens just around them. But I'm surprised that when you can just do so... When so many movies do so much green screen, like, just do the green also, screen. why not have a cool... Like, why not... You know, for future reference, why not just have one of the fights be in that fucking, like, hall of um, images? Yeah. And just a bunch of people going through the glass of the old history but of also, Mortal Kombat. But also, why is that room why so use some, small? Why use some of those sets once? Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. And why use that trailer 
seven times. It's kind of so. This is an interesting comparison that no one else is going to make, and because I don't think it's a very good comparison. But you're, what you just said reminded me of it. It reminds me a little bit of the coming to America, coming to America, where they just like settled for like hotel, like um, banquet halls as like a uh, as like a way to stage what they felt or what they settled for very small spaces to stage the same scenes that they use huge spaces to sh- to huge spaces to um stage the last time through. Mm-hmm. So we talked about that with like the wedding scene in the first Coming to America is like a painted backdrop and like mil- like a hundreds of extras that makes it look like it's this huge space and in this scene they're like no it's just the banquet hall of a of a La Quinta Inn <laughs> but it's got some gold and flowers. Like that's good, right? And it's like no, that's not good. That's not good. You're this is a multi-million-dollar franchise movie with a bunch of famous people and all this other stuff. Just do it better. Set, yeah, set aside some money for production. I mean, I hate to break it to. I mean, these these places like Disney's not necessarily. They're not construct. Avengers Tower doesn't exist. They didn't just make that shit and then they just film everything in it. Everything they do is fucking CGI. Star Wars is the same thing. Huge spaces that are just all CGI. Just do that. You don't have to have physical areas for these people to fight in. Nobody cares. Just make the CGI look good. And I just think with Mortal Kombat, you intersperse that with practical spots. But then you have huge CGI. You just... Because it's it, like a movie like Mortal Kombat should just be fights. You just make each thing its own unique signature. Right. Or just get Jackie Chan to be in it. And then he turns every room into a battleground. But um, but has like a setup for what I think is their actual tent because this movie had to have been that. Mm-hmm. It, I think it works. Yeah. It's it's dumb, it's goofy. I I would recommend it to anybody who's fine with gore. Um, well, I would even I would even say that like if you're not fine with gore, the gore in this is very cartoonish. I mean, the blood is like spurts out of people in big huge globs. A person who's who's not a fan of huge gore. So several people who were on the trip for the first three minutes who not huge fans of gore were really grossed out. They didn't like stabbing people in the head. Yeah, the they, they they were they were bothered by that. Huh. So surprises. Even me. I think I even though it's cartoony, I do think there's like some people just don't dig it. So. I guess so. I I mean I think my comment is more related to the fact that I except for like a couple of the maybe maybe just the one. When that wing thing gets cut in half, a lot of it I don't even really consider gore because it's so cartoony. Like when he rips out, when Kano rips out Reptile's heart. Yeah. I'm just like, well, it's a reptile. I guess Molina's death is a little. It's a big cartoony hole. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I'm just, maybe I'm ruined now because I saw the devil has changed the way I see this stuff. If there's not like, um, emotional or psychological pain associated with it, I don't think of it as gore. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think yeah, of it I don't think of it in the same way. Which I'm glad. I'm glad there was no emotional or psychological pain in this movie. <laughs> I will say was. just just to finish, I will yeah. say this. For a movie that like rested on fatalities, two immolation deaths were yeah, was a bit of a on. bummer. Like half Cabal get bitten in half by that dragon. Mm-hmm. Like when that dragon comes down and like bites him, I was like, oh, he's gonna get bitten in half. That would have been cool. I don't. He doesn't need to get just burned. I mean, I, I assume they do that so they could bring back Cabal. Like mm-hmm. he's not actually dead. But well, like, 
No, fucking. Well, if you're just make him see, make him like a robot bottom. Well, if you're gonna do that to Cabal, you can't also do it to Sub Zero. But you have to do it to Sub Zero. And I don't right, but let's Sub Zero has to be because Bihan has to become Noob Saybot. Just pick one. Also, I love the fact that I can only assume Noob Saybot is going to be a major villain in the sequel, and he's a nothing character. Well, just remember when Noob Saybot came. His in, character name is Noob Saybot. It was he was like a joke, wasn't he? <laughs> it's Isn't just like Noob Saybot supposed to be something backwards? Oh, I can't remember. I, I mean, I thought I remember when, like, no, I think, Mortal it's, it's, Kombat I think 3? It's, it's the name, isn't it a variation of the name? Yeah, of, yeah, that um, sounds about the creator. Right. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed, yeah, it's Ed, it's like Ed Boone. Yeah, it's Ed Boone and um, John Tobias. It's, it's so yeah, Boone yeah, yeah, backwards, that sounds right. yeah. Tobias backwards. Um, I know a lot of about Mortal Kombat. He's Mortal Kombat. Two, three, ladies. I hope there's some ladies out there that just went, ah! they just orgasms all over themselves. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they're doing. I'm excited for but it. Because I'll say this: the best thing I could say is what this movie did well makes me excited for what they can do in the future. So, and I'll wrap this up by saying, on my end, that saying the best thing that this movie did, it didn't ask me to care about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I mean, so I can. Forget about it, and when Mortal Kombat Two comes out, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, all right, I'll give it a watch." Yeah, and it was it was inoffensive enough. Where Mortal Kombat Two comes out, I'll probably give this a watch again just to because it's whatever, it's fun. I won't. No, yeah, <laughs> but you won't be saying like, "Why'd you do that?" No, not unless you like start writing like ten thousand word essays on like dissecting certain character emotions in this. About Steven, about how what's Josh Josh Lawson was problematic. What's Sonya Blade's problem? Why does she think that just like hanging a bunch of newspaper articles up in her house is going to help her solve? Why a garden gnome? Hmm. I don't know. If you have concerns about garden gnomes, you can tweet us at Film Pivotal, or you can email us at Pivotal from Podcast. Could you imagine if that's the thing that sets it off? I love it. I would love it. Just like we become a garden gnome podcast, or we just become like. We spend every episode from now until we end this podcast just talking about, talking about Mortal Man. Kombat and like just dissecting like... We just become a Mortal Kombat podcast. We, we, we do what the fans ask. We do what the fans ask. Uh, or you can go to PivotalFilm.com and see a list of some stuff and uh, beers or movies or whatever. I haven't updated it because I have stuff to do. Um, but we, yeah. We, we will kind of be back next week. Uh, so we're going to take a bit of a break. However, um, I... Oh, I you never, you you never responded to me if this was okay, but I will be doing solo yeah, and maybe some joint stuff. Uh, next week, I will be trying to do a review of Without Remorse, so that'll be fun. I'll try to get somebody to watch that goddamn movie uh, and, and talk about it You could just me. watch it and do a Brett Easton Ellis-style review. And at one point, you can just say, about craft. No, I kind of want to drag people in. Each week to just like force them. Well, I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm just saying that like it would be hilarious if those people were very clearly dragged and spent a lot of time just deeply sighing about what you're asking them to oh, do. Oh, my intent is that. Uh, but yeah, so over the next month or so, we will be sporadically releasing episodes as I could see fit. Also, by the way, whatever production quality you get from these podcast episodes will not be happening. Well, I have to email that. you the, um, I'll email you the theme and the ending, the clips. And I will put them in some sort of sound thing. You'll figure Is it audacity out. audacity free? Yeah. Cool. 
It will not sound good. It'll sound the same. It'll be like... That's basically where you're going to get. But we'll be back sometime we'll figure i mean we'll figure it out i I just i need there's i'm doing some school stuff now i'm getting my master's and i just need to get through it and i need to remove yeah i need to remove something out of my existence for for a little bit of time and he chose me well it's either that or like my kids i mean (laughs) you need both of them or quit my job which i've almost i've ostensibly kind of done in the sense that, like, I, I email, I texted her, my boss this morning. He's like, I'm not coming in today because i got to work on my thesis. And luckily she's a professor, too, so she understands. But that's kind of my life now. But during this, at some point, uh, I will be presenting to everybody the first review back. in Because the- tomorrow I get my second uh, Fauci ouchie. And mm-hmm. so my first film back will be Spiral. I've mentioned it a couple times. So that we'll finally get a movie theater review. It'd be funny if you just couldn't even speak. I'm just like you're just like it's the greatest movie of all time. I'm just like portrait of a lady on the rock, the Chris Rock. What if the Rock was in it? Maybe even better. What if he was replaced Chris Rock? Uh, this, I mean, Spiral has has the line, "You want to play a game, motherfucker?" Spoken by Samuel Jackson. I'm gonna be honest with you though. I just watched the Jumanji movies. I don't think the Rock is any better at acting than Chris Rock is. No, the Rock, but the Rock isn't isn't trying to be a better actor. He no. tried it once, and he's like, nope. He's just the Rock, but he's also terrible. But his arms are bigger than both of us, and he's got a lot of charisma. Well, they should get him to play Johnny Cage. I don't think I need mean, he, he. He's way outside their price. No, Johnny, he should not be. Johnny Cage needs to be like a kind of. It needs to be one. He, Johnny Cage needs to be like the whitest dude ever. They should get Ryan Reynolds to be Johnny Cage. Too big. I, I think I think we're right with the Miz. I think, I think the Miz is that's perfect. perfect. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, what happens if we're the ones that get Miz the job? He owes us money. We, if if we're the ones that get you the job, Miz, we have to be featured on Miz and Mrs. I've heard he's a dick, though. Really? Mm, I heard that on a podcast. They were talking about like in real life, he's not like a super fun guy. No. Or or in, in at least in the WWE offices, he like is. Pretty, he's pretty aggressive and rough. Not that he's a predator or anything like that. I don't know anything. I'm just that's what I heard. Just allegedly, God, you're just dropping this. You can't just say like what we heard. We haven't experienced it, so. But I see that's the thing. I'm different in the sense that like when I'm talking about the Miz, I can say anything I want. If I'm talking about a normal person who lives a normal life in his home, and I'm just like, I've heard that guy is fucking sucks. I can't do that. But I can tell a fame. I can tell. Uh, third-hand heard information about famous people. No, I just... I, I won't, but... You do you, bro. <laughs> That's why you're gonna vote for Kamala Harris next time, and I'm gonna vote for fucking Ron DeSantis. <laughs> and, and I will be feeling super powerful when I do it. Oh, Jesus Christ. My bro. I don't even get That's the difference re- between you and me, I don't Mario. Even get that reference. That's the difference between you and me. I don't even know what that means. You're going one way and I'm going the other. Oh no. All right. Anyway, yeah, it's very loud tonight. No. Although I can't really hear it in the in the thing very much. That's good. I just noticed it's raining. That's fun. Which is gonna be problematic because I gotta get a sandwich because I need to eat it. I'll go downstairs with you. 
Anyways, uh, drink drink a movie, see a beer. I think that's I think that should be the new way. And, and Mario we'll talk will talk to you, to you probably next week. Next week. Or that'll be two fun. Weeks. It'll be Yay. good.